This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The end of your marriage has likely left a big hole in your life. Perhaps your spouse was abusive and you know you're better off without him. Nevertheless, you're experiencing some big changes, some good, and maybe others not so much. Whatever the issues, your divorce recovery is a time of finding your new normal. Linda Moore Kurth shows us some ways to find joy in the process. Our lives can change dramatically since a divorce, both emotionally and physically. It's normal to cycle between feeling scared and feeling brave. Linda suggests we give ourselves a pass for being confused. Take a nap, enjoy a soak in the tub, eat a little chocolate, drink a glass of champagne, listen to your favorite music, whatever healthy activity soothes you. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Linda Moore Kurth. Linda is a writer and a divorced and remarried Christian. In going through a divorce, she was condemned by some Christians and churches and supported by others. This experience prompted her to begin her blog, Help and Healing for Divorced Christians, where she gives helpful advice and encourages churches to fully embrace divorced people. Her upcoming memoir, God, the Devil, and Divorce, chronicles her 25-year marriage and struggle to make the decision to divorce and God's provision in the aftermath. The book is scheduled to be published early next year. Linda's school and library book, Keiko's Story, A Killer Whale Goes Home, chronicles the life of the orca whale who starred in the movie Free Willy. Her career romance, Home of the Heart, has recently been updated and republished. She currently writes and publishes memoir and self-help quick reads found on Amazon. She lives with her husband of 17 years in the Verdant Skagit Valley of Western Washington State and is active in church, music, and writing communities there. Here is the interview with Linda Moore Kurth. In your own words, who is Linda Moore Kurth? Oh, well, I wasn't expecting that question. Let's see. <laughs> um, well, I'm a woman of a certain age, and I've had a lot of life experiences, and um, I remain very curious about life and the meaning of life and uh, the meaning of creativity. I've always been very, very creative, yeah. and I love God. That's wonderful. What is another word for life, Linda? That would depend if you're speaking about life in the temporal sense or life in the spiritual sense, I think. Life in the temporal sense is breathing, living, you know, going through the day-to-day. -day. Life on a more spiritual level is uh, it's a mystery. A mystery. I like that. Is there such a thing as to be healed 
or there's only healing? Another good question. One can be healed even if the scars remain, I believe. Healed scars are a visible sign of being healed. And of course, there then there are emotional scars that you don't see, but they are also a sign of being healed. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, the emotional scars, right? I'm just wondering how those emotions might be transformed. Our pastor at church has been doing a series on joy. Mm. And I've just been thinking more and more about what joy is. And he says it's a gift that is best understood through suffering. So mm. I do believe that if we just go through life on the surface, we never experience the depth of feeling. And the depth of feeling has to include suffering. So we know the contrast between deep suffering and, and happiness. Otherwise, I think happiness and joy are just on the surface unless you experience some tragedy, some wounding, some hurts in your life. Yeah, that makes sense because of the profound lessons that these experiences teach us, right? Right. What inspires you to be a good person and to do good in the world? Uh, well, I believe that ultimately comes from God, but I, I just, it feels better. I feel better when <laughs> I, I do better. Right. Don't we all, right? What is right. the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Well, all we need is love, as the Beatles said. <laughs> right. And it's true. What is love to you? I think it's, a, it's an emotion that's rooted in faith that you are being respected, that you are being honored for who you are. I believe that love takes trust. I believe that it's very, very difficult to love if you can't trust, but it depends on where your trust lies, of course. You can love someone. It doesn't have to be reciprocal, uh, but you are trusting maybe in a greater power if you are loving someone and not experiencing it coming back to you. Is there a difference between faith, hope, and trust? Faith and trust are pretty well bound up in one another. Hope is, uh, I don't know, I do believe hope comes from the Lord. I think most of us hope despite the fact that maybe there's not any good evidence for it. <laughs> True. No, we still wish for the best, right? It's like this optimistic right. way of thinking. That's what keeps us going. True. I think. What, where, and who is God to you? <sighs> well, God is love. Uh, God is being who cares about each and every one of us, about us loving one another, about healing, about wholeness, Wholeness. Yeah. Love, that says it all. It's, it's interesting because love is one word or concept, idea that I found to be consistent in meaning for everyone. It's always positive. So when you say God, you connect God to love, that makes so much sense to me. Right? Goodness, greatness. Yeah. What do you think is the meaning of your life? 
I don't know. Uh, I just have faith that it does have meaning. I try to stay in touch with how God is directing me. Sometimes I feel like I'm being directed when I don't. I don't know why. I don't know the answers. I expect that one of these days I'll be asking that question probably in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I just have faith that if I continue to use the gifts that the Lord has given me, the meaning will come out of that whether or not I am aware of that meaning or not. I see, yeah. What are some of those gifts, of your gifts? I've been given the gift of music and singing, so I continue to use that. I am very creative, and I've explored many outlets for that creativity. Bible has a list of spiritual gifts, and one of my spiritual gifts is teaching, and one of my spiritual gifts is hospitality. I really enjoy the hospitality aspect of my gifts. Every Christmas now, my husband and I open our house on Christmas Day to anyone who wants to come. And and it's such a joy to us to be able to do that. That is amazing. I never heard of that before. Yeah, that's beautiful. What is another word for hospitality? Would that be kindness? Oh, definitely kindness warmth, uh, welcoming, just acceptance, I believe. Acceptance, right. What inspired you to write a book about divorce recovery, Linda? I've been divorced twice. The first time I was divorced, uh, my husband divorced me after five and a half years, and I was very bitter. I was angry with God. I told him I didn't need him. I would do things my way. And I did do those things my way. (laughs) And it did actually did not turn out all that well. (laughs) And then I remarried. And I was married for 25 years. And my marriage became more and more difficult. And so being a Christian, I struggled with, well, how much, you know, do I try to change? How much do I work on my marriage? Does God give me permission to leave? And uh, it was a big struggle over several years. Finally, I went to a counselor. We were going to a counselor and I said, I have to leave to survive, to emotionally survive. And she said, if you leave your husband, Satan will win. And that's when I decided that that wasn't the God that I knew. Mm -hmm. I knew that other Christians were struggling in their marriages, that not all marriages stand the test of time. God doesn't control people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He doesn't make He doesn't make people better or make people change. It has to be from their hearts. And so I wanted to show that God loves us no matter what, even if we feel that we have to leave our spouses. And I wanted to show that 
I mean, I have an amazing story of how God provided for me after I finally left my husband of 25 years. So I wanted to give people, especially women, Christian women, hope that Satan doesn't have a stronghold when we when our hearts are right with the Lord. Yeah, I like that. So that's interesting that um, being a Christian, you also have these um, rules. I didn't know, I'm not familiar with the rule that we should not divorce. Divorce is not a good thing, even when we are not happy in abusive relationships. So is this still happen? Did that change at all? That's a very good question. It is changing, and I want to be one of those change agents. It's just like a lot of social issues. It's changing very, very slowly, and there's still people that are hurting because of that. But it's an interpretation of the Bible. It's not necessarily what God said. God does not say you should not divorce, period. In fact, People overlook the fact that God divorced Israel when when Israel turned its back on the Lord. So it's a matter of interpretation. And, and I believe that these are exciting times that scholars are uh, delving into the Bible and trying to understand the meaning of different passages through the lens of the times. I'm just really grateful that we're not stuck in ancient interpretations of what every word in the Bible means. Right, right. I like that, keeping the open mind and open heart. It's really important in life. What do you think are the main reasons for relationships and marriages to fail or reasons that uh, lead to divorce? A lot of times when people marry young. They don't really understand who they are. I know that happened with my first marriage. I don't know that I understood, you know, at at age 20 (laughs) that I really understood who I was. (laughs) And I'm sure my husband didn't either. In fact, I still love him. We love each other. Just we're not made to be together uh, at this point in time. But and I think that a lot of People are damaged in childhood, and if they can't overcome that damage or face that damage, it becomes a bigger and bigger part of their life that doesn't accommodate other people in a healthy way. I feel that's true with my second husband. I'm not blaming him. I'm just stating that I don't believe that he was able to overcome the the hurts of his childhood. And he's not a happy man, and I'm very sad for him. So that might be one of the biggest reasons, right, not knowing ourselves. You actually mentioned twice, yeah, the lack of self-awareness. Yeah, right. It it always goes back to self-knowledge in a way, self-awareness, yeah. You talk about abuse in relationships. How do we know when a relationship is abusive? And you also talked about being abused spiritually. How do we know that we are being spiritually abused? Personally, I pay a lot of attention to what's going on in my body. If I discern, if I physically feel and I mentally feel 
that what is happening, what is being told to me is not right, I need to look at that. I need to pay a lot of attention to that. I know my, my husband was what you would call a crazy maker. It took me a while to figure out that that what I was feeling was not wrong. Mm. And then we need to go for help. We need to have other people, professionals, help us see the situation from a less emotional point of view. Right. More pragmatic. Yeah. Um, I absolutely agree. Right. Because we are, when we are in a relationship, sometimes too close to someone and confined in that space, it's hard to see yeah, what's true and what's not true. Yes. After divorce, what kinds of emotions are we most likely to experience? Well, for me, it was anger, sadness, it's certainly a blow to the ego. Yeah, right. You know, even if it's someone that you know isn't right for you, when if they don't want to be with you, that's a blow to the ego. And frightening. I was scared. It took time for me to, you know, trust in the Lord that it, things were going to be okay. In my head, I knew I should do that. But, you know, my emotions said, well, this is scary. <laughs> mm. And so it's okay to have those emotions. Right. It's good to have good support. I certainly had some wonderful people in my life who supported me during that time. But I was very, 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 very angry. And yeah. I didn't feel bad about being angry. I thought that was perfectly acceptable to be angry as well as hurt. Right. What were you afraid of the most? Well, in my circumstance, I was afraid of um, being able to financially take care of myself. But I also didn't want to be alone the rest of my life. But I did come to terms with if that's what the Lord had in store for me, that I would learn to accept that. But those were, my, I think, my two biggest concerns. There were people, and speaking of spiritual abuse, besides my counselor who told me that Satan would win if I divorced, there were other people in the conservative community with whom I was in touch who gave me a bad time for choosing divorce and telling me I wasn't a true Christian. Mm. But in my spirit, I knew that wasn't, they weren't speaking from God's heart. And so, that was not a huge concern of mine, although I know from other Christians that it has been and it continues to be. I was divorced too, twice. I kind of understand some of the these emotions, perhaps not all of them, because I was the one to divorce them. Then also you have to forgive yourself. Sometimes you have to do what you have to do in life. That's right. I wrote a, actually, I wrote a blog post that said I needed to forgive myself for trying so hard to make my marriage work. Mm, oh, wow. Yeah, it's my case. Definitely. That was the first, yeah, plead for, for yeah. forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. For trying too hard. Yeah. yeah. Because sometimes we think we can change the other person, even right. though we think we're doing the best for the other person. 
no, we can't change the other person and we need to stop trying to do that. Right, right. Do you think that's more common among women yeah. than men? Yes. Just trying hard? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. You wrote something interesting. This is, a, I think, a title of one of your blog posts, things that you decided not to do upon your divorce. So that's my question. What were these things that you decided not to do after divorcing? Oh, I haven't. That was, <laughs> I wrote that a long time ago. Let me think. Well, I decided that I would not date right away. I needed to heal and become whole and not just be in a rebound situation. I decided be too accommodating. If I was to be in a relationship, to let myself be pursued rather than worrying about it, I needed to be shown that I was cherished. I right. definitely did not want to ever rely totally on another person for my emotional well-being. I'm sorry, I don't remember some of the other things. Some of these elements, aspects, you uh, list them under the 12 steps to a more joyful life after divorce. So we'll go through that uh, in a moment. I have a question before that. What do you think constitutes a great marriage or a great relationship in general? Well, I believe I have one. I'm celebrating 17 years of marriage to my third husband. So it's we just totally trust each other. We're totally honest with our feelings with each other. We don't skirt problems. In fact, sometimes I just want to <laughs> not face them. It only it works best when we when we talk things out. It's just the respect for each other just is so important. It's so important to both of us. In fact, before we married, we talked about what was really important to each other in a relationship. And respect was a really big one for both of us. Respect, honesty, and just an ability to enjoy each other. I like that. Yeah. And when you say respect, yeah, I think about celebrating the differences, uh, the uniqueness of each other, too. Oh, very good. Yes, I like that. No one's the same, and sometimes we can be very different, right? But there's so much to celebrate. Exactly, yep. You know, we balance each other out. In my case, I, you know, I'm very creative. I get all these fabulous ideas, and <laughs> he's uh, very logical. He's a mathematician, and mm -hmm. I expand his creativity, and he expands my Mathematical ability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Maybe the ability to be practical. They tend to be very practical, I guess. That's right, exactly. <laughs> Grounded to the ground and the earth. <laughs> That's great, too. So let's talk about the 12 steps to a more joyful life after divorce. Is pumpering ourselves connected with the idea of practicing self-love and self-care? Yes, absolutely. Unless we're called to for some reason, in all cases, maybe we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are precious in the Lord's sight. So why wouldn't we want to keep ourselves, take good care of ourselves? Is self-love the same as self-care, Linda? Are they connect or they're the same? I think they're the same. You know, I know when I went through the divorce, I knew that I needed 
to rest. I knew that I needed someone to talk with at times. I knew I needed to take a nice hot, warm bath. I knew that this was necessary to become whole again, to mother myself, really. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like the, the term, mother myself, right? And in what ways can we allow our friends and family to help us? You mentioned this is one of the steps. Yes, of course, we have to be careful that we don't become a broken record. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's so important to have people give you feedback on what you're thinking, because going through a really tough time can really mess with your head. Oh, yeah. And you know, to assure you that you're going to be okay, to assure you that you're not crazy, to assure you that you are loved. I can't imagine going through any kind of trauma with all by yourself. We need each other. I agree 100%. Yes. What kind of therapy or support groups should we look for? It's good to find your peers. I joined a large singles group through a church and met several other women who were going through similar things, and that was helpful. And then I also went through a divorce recovery program, which was also very helpful. Just talking it out, processing, there's just a lot of processing, I think, that happens when you go through trauma like that. And different people process in different ways, but... For me, at least, verbal processing was very, very important. Right. That's interesting. When I hear you saying that, traumatic experiences, and it sounds very much like a death. We're going through a grief process, right? Oh, exactly. There's the Kubler-Ross thing about the steps of grief. What I didn't understand in the beginning was that even though they're called steps, they're not necessarily in order. <laughs> and mm. You can, you know, start to recover and then you can backslide or you can, you know, go back and visit some of those issues that you thought you'd already dealt with. And that's just so human. And it's you just do that and go through those processes until you're done, until you know you're done. Mm. That's what I did. I first I was really upset with myself that I wasn't recovering faster. And then I realized, okay, this is going to take time and I will know when I'm done. Mm. And I did actually one morning I woke up from a dream and I told my ex-husband, you deserve whatever happens to you. Go live (laughs) your life. I've got mine. (laughs) I I was well on the way to recovery. Wow. That's when you know, right? Because it's an inner strength. It's coming from that place, right? And you're able to let go. And that's really part of forgiveness, too, is letting go. I had a good friend who was bitter after many years, and it just affected her whole life. And she wasn't able to let go. And so she kind of served as a model for me for what not to do. Right. So true. Yeah. Letting go. Such a powerful thing to do, isn't it, Linda? And in life in general, so many things that we hold on to that cause more suffering than than anything else. So on step four, you mentioned uh, forgive yourself. We talked earlier. 
even if it's not was not your fault the divorce was not your fault and that was a very interesting one when i read it because i was wondering wow you have to forgive yourself but you just mentioned earlier that yeah for trying too hard to make to change to change a situation that is not meant to change in a way and step 5 you talk about exercise so how growing stronger physically build our emotional strength right. well personally it did a lot for me just feeling and i i know that i'm speaking to you cuz i know that you are really into being fit i just believe that if you physically more capable it gives you the confidence to go ahead with life and i mean even if you have some ailments which i do i have some ailments but i know what i'm capable of and that gives me the confidence but also just working with a trainer really helped me personally because mm-hmm. you know he pushed me and he helped me see that i was stronger than i thought i was and then i took up ballroom dancing continued to get to grow in that area and that gave me a lot of confidence too so there's a connection between mind and body and i think it's very important to not neglect the body part of it right it's so true the body helps the mind and the mind helps the body right they all connected i agree and i love the idea that you engaged in dancing boy i love dancing yeah. oh yeah talk about joy that's that's that that's the first time i laughed was when <laughs> i learned swing dancing and and it was just so fun and it's the first time i really laughed after my divorce wow amazing yeah there are some uh, therapies dance therapies that i know of they're incredible So in step 6, you talk about getting your finances and legal affairs in order. So my question is, what are some of your key suggestions to address this aspect properly? The number one key is not to trust what your ex has told you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> right. It is funny the people that I met through this singles group that I was in I you know learned that there were some women that were really suffering financially because their husbands told them certain or ex-husbands told them certain things that weren't true and they relied on that information so I I think it's really helpful I'm not saying that try to punish your ex financially or whatever but I think it's so important to know where you stand instead of wondering even if it's not good news mm-hmm. you need to know where you're at so that you can know what to do to move forward and when I divorced I had no idea how much money I would need to survive or what my lifestyle would look like and so um I'm speaking to people who might be in the same situation is uh you know get that information because not knowing that is you torture yourself if you don't have that information that's true so it's kind of funny what you said because i can imagine but what are some of the myths well i don't know too much about the myth i guess the one myth i know is that the uh, ex-wife gets the house but then she doesn't have the money to pay the mortgage and so yeah, right she loses that too so 
Uh, that's all I can speak to. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Thank you, Linda. Step seven, you said celebrate. And this is very interesting because my question, natural question is celebrate what and why? Celebrate that you are surviving. Celebrate that you know better times are ahead. Celebrate that the worst is behind you. And yeah, just celebrate that you have life, you have friends, you have your faith, that life can be good. Right, right. And like any death, it's just um, an opportunity for a new beginning, right? For some sort of birth. And that's what you talk, I believe, in step eight, dream and stretch yourself. So my question is, what was your first self reinvention after your divorce? Well, probably taking up the ballroom dancing was yeah. owning my own place. That was a big part of my recovery. I mean, you know, I was 55 and here I was buying my own place. That was uh, quite a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to school. I had an art education degree, but it wasn't something that I gotten it in desperation rather than in love. <laughs> so I, I went back to school and it was a, a struggle in the beginning. I hadn't had to, to be in college for a long, long time. But my brain woke up and it was exciting. <laughs> right. And that's interesting. You had the brain chemicals, right? Activating them. Step nine, you say, take your time to date. So my question is, when did you know for sure that you were ready to date? Well, I gave myself a year. It was a really, really good decision. Then I could concentrate on myself and not worry about somebody else. Yeah, it was really good. And, and then I started dancing, then eventually... I did start dating, but I didn't really take it very seriously. I just dated because I wanted to have fun with the guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which is great, too, isn't yeah. it? To enjoy ourselves and others and yeah, in a healthy right. way. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> uh, would you say that a year, that is a good period to wait until we date again? Or it varies depending on the person? Yeah, I, I think it depends on the person. I think somehow you have to know. I can't put a number on it. Right. And step 10, you say, work toward forgiving your ex. So I have um, two questions here. How long did it take you to forgive him after the divorce? And is forgiving a practice? And if it is, what practices do you engage in? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, when I first found out that my husband had already found someone else before I divorced him, I was terribly, terribly hurt and terribly, terribly angry. And I drove my car down the freeway, pounding this steering wheel and screaming at him. It was actually very cathartic. I'm not at all sorry I did that. But eventually, I read a lot of books on forgiveness, and I think it was Schmeeds who said, you can't forgive people for being who they are. 
Mm, and I wow. think about that a lot. And, you know, my ex-husband was who he was. He was not the man I wanted him to be. And he did some things that weren't very nice to me. But he was who he was. And I am who I am. The biggest thing, I think, for me was to just give him over to the Lord. To just say, Lord, I know you love him. You know, no matter what his issues are, I know you love him. I'm just giving him over to you. I can't carry anger anymore. I just can't do it. Oh, wow. So... In a way, that is so powerful. It's not really forgiving, but accepting. True. That's very true. Yeah, people who they are, right? Because we can't change them. That's beautiful. Um, step 11, you say practice gratitude. What are some of your favorite gratitude rituals? Oh, uh, sometimes in the tiniest things, you know, just looking out my window and seeing the birds and the squirrels and or going into my garden and harvesting something that I've grown or hugging. I'm a tree hugger. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I, I, I love hugging trees and I just so <laughs> grateful that that we have, you know, the earth is so beautiful. So I think I experience a lot of gratitude in nature. I experience a lot of gratitude in my husband's hugs, I just grateful to be alive and being productive. I'm just grateful for my life. Yeah, I love that, Linda. I absolutely love that. Um, step 12, the last one, you say, thankfulness follows gratitude. So my question is, what is the difference between gratitude and thankfulness? Oh, <laughs> what did I write here? Let's see. <laughs> um, well, I love this part. I, I quoted in Psalm 56, 9, um, David, who was being hunted down by his mortal enemies, wrote, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in a bottle. Right. And that that just speaks to me that I'm not alone. And that I'm thankful, I'm grateful. I guess thankfulness and gratitude really kind of roll together. Right. <laughs> yeah, in a way, it seemed to me that thankfulness, it meant being thankful for life. And then gratitude was just being appreciative of the small things, simple things around us. But it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> a happy, wonderful state of mind, yeah, to be grateful and thankful, right? And my last question to you, what profound life lessons did you learn from your divorces? I learned that I'm good no matter whether I have someone else here on earth loving me or not, that I'm okay, that the immediate circumstances are that just that they're immediate they're not necessarily going to define my life oh i'm sorry i'm having a struggling here 
Would you like to read any part of your book or any quote, anything before I ask you my final, final questions? Okay. Well, <laughs> well, I'll read you a description of my book. How's that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Linda is shaken when her counselor suggests her husband is a crazy maker. After another attempt at couples counseling, the abuse escalating, Linda finally mentions divorce. She's exhausted and hurting, and her counselor tells her, Satan wins if you choose divorce. And that's when I said, Lord, you are bigger than that. Right. That's powerful and true, so true. How do you define success? What is success to you? Well, I like temporal, what I call temporal success as much as anybody. <laughs> you know, I would like to win. Yeah. I would like to be successful selling my book. I was an interior designer for a while, and I would have liked to have considered my business a success. My work was successful with each job, but I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't make enough money to continue. So if we look at success as being numbers, I have chased success. I have chased those numbers, and I found out that doesn't work very well for me. I guess success for me is surviving with trust and love for others, yeah. for this world, and not ending up bitter, ending up full of love. Yeah, I think that's success. Yeah, and I agree. What is to be strong? Strength comes from belief in oneself, and in my case, belief in a higher power, that no matter what, things are going to work out the way they're meant to work out. To me, that and just to keep on keeping on. In fact, I used to have a... a saying it on my computer and it was uh, trust God and do the next thing mm. and to me that strength is just to trust God and do the next thing all right I like that do you believe in unconditional self-love sometimes that's hard to get the ego out of there right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm Unconditional. I believe that we need to take inventory of our, I think we need to understand our faults as well as our strengths. But yes, we should be continuing to love what, love the good in us and love what is possible in us. As long as we continue to do our best, yes, we can love ourselves for that. Yeah, I like that. And maybe the word we used earlier, accepting the things that we did, uh, we didn't do well. The people who didn't do well by us, instead of forgiving, accepting what happened, the way it happened, because it couldn't be different anyway. If you knew you would die soon, in a sense of losing the body, would you make any change in your life? No. No, I would not. Wow. That is wonderful. Do you believe in life after death? 
I definitely do. I look forward to seeing <laughs> my loved ones, and that includes my pets. That's cute. <laughs> I am. I'm going to hug my doggies and my kitties. What are three things about life you know for sure, Linda, as of this moment? Well, the Bible says, "In this trouble, there will be light." There will. I mean, in this life, there will be trouble, and that is a given. There's no way around it. Uh, it's what, how we deal with that trouble. And in fact, if there was no trouble in our life, we would not have that contrast between wonderful things happening and awful things happening. We, we wouldn't have that perspective. We wouldn't appreciate the good in our lives if we didn't have trouble. Thank you so much for your warmth, your uh, genuine presence, and your beauty. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, services, and future projects? You can go to my website, lindamkurth.com, and I have information about my books, and I have a blog, Help and Healing for Christians, for Divorced Christians. And I'm also celebrating this month that I have a contract for my memoir, God, the Devil, and Divorce. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much again, Linda. And we'll talk soon. Good. Thank you, too. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Linda Moore Kurth, please visit her website, lindamkurth.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>